Hi everyone, welcome to this week's show. The season is now history, a tremendous year for the Purdue basketball program, finishing with an overall mark of 25 wins and five losses. Co-Big Ten champions in his seventh in the final polls. Thank our fans for the great support this year and the players' effort and our staff. I uh, had a tremendous staff this year. The 1986-87 season came to an end on March 15th in Syracuse, New York, as the Boilermakers fell to Florida 85-66 in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Purdue trailed by two at the half, but the Gators came out after the break on fire, and the old Golden Black could never catch up. Florida shot 66% in the second half, scoring 54 points after intermission and pulled away. Future NBA star Vernon Maxwell led the Gators with 24 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. For the Boilermakers, Everett Stevens and Troy Lewis had 15 apiece, while Todd Mitchell added 14, but it wasn't nearly enough as the Boilermakers bowed out of the NCAA tournament. Six days later, and with some time to reflect, Coach Katie was disappointed with the outcome, but very proud of his team. Here's Coach and the Cliz. It's Katie Corner from March 21st, 1987. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's show. The season is now history, a tremendous year for the Purdue basketball program, finishing with an overall mark of 25 wins and five losses. Co-Big Ten champions finished seventh in the final polls nationally and made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Coach Katie with us for the final time this year. And Gene, uh, I know a frustrating end of the season with the loss against Florida. But uh, after being able to sit on it for a week and in retrospect, looking back at the year, it was just a super year for your program. Well, it certainly was. And uh, I want to thank our fans for the great support this year and the players' effort and our staff. I uh, had a tremendous staff this year. And I think one of the frustrating things about uh, coaching basketball, Larry, is not many people get to experience a win the last game of the year. So that's something you accept as a coach. You don't have to like it, and you work hard for it not to happen the following year and that's where we're at now you know we're ready to go for next year and and right now we're going to we're going to try to get some more players in our program and uh, and use this season as a springboard to more hopefully good times in the basketball program at purdue because we had a great year and it just happened to be one of those situations where we caught a team that was uh, on a tremendous upswing and and we couldn't fight it off you know when you look back over the season though this has been your best year in the seven years you've been here you Picked up your second title, 25 wins, as we said, 24 during the regular season. And uh, I guess all of us are frustrated a little bit by that tourney loss, and I think no more, uh, you by far, more than anyone. But nonetheless, uh, you, you just can't discount the great season that it was. No, I don't want to ever discount that, Larry. I think the fact that you overlooked that is uh, something that maybe uh, you're not very aware of the situation. So. Hopefully everybody in, in uh, the state and the Purdue uh, backing uh, areas are, are intelligent enough to understand that, that we had a great year in a lot of ways and, and certainly uh, we don't want to overlook that. I think what frustrated our players and the coaching staff was the fact that we had looked forward uh, so much to the NCAA tournament and had worked very hard since that loss at, at Baton Rouge last year to not necessarily redeem ourselves but to be able to compete at that level and do well and, and uh, feel good about it. You feel sort of unfulfilled in mm -hmm. your mission, and uh, that's where we are now. And there's a lot of teams feel that way, but that doesn't make it uh, make us feel any better. And uh, everything's relative, you know, until you start uh, getting into the NCAA situation. And, and it's just a great, great experience to get to go. Uh, 
but we don't want to look at it like that. We want to get in it and be successful and move up into the Final Four and win the national title. And when you have those kind of goals, you're going to have some frustrations. Let's talk about some of the theories that your coaches, I'm sure, that you discussed with them in recent days, in the last four or five days, to why you were so flat against Florida. I think, you know, honestly, uh, if you play them tough, that's one thing, but the, the, the team was just so flat on that Sunday. Well, I think when, you know, you don't want to look at it at the time because you're worrying about doing well in the NCAA and you're trying to get everybody to be at a peak uh, at this time of the year. A lot of people are going through this, state tournaments and uh, NAIA, junior colleges, Division II, Division III, all of us are going through it trying to get your players to be at their best this time of year, and, and that's a tremendous challenge. But as we look back on it and uh, took a hard look at why, you know, you always ask yourself why as a coach, why did this happen and why did we did not do better in, in this situation, that we had fought so hard, and I'm not using this as an excuse because it's not an excuse. We try to see what we can do the following year to prevent it. So the reason we we try to uh, be uh, reasonable about it and reason it out, because I'm a, I'm basically a scientist at heart, and there's always got to be a reason for things. But uh, I think that uh, uh, the the record uh, shows that we had the best record in the last nine games of the Big Ten. That's a very difficult mission to do in this league. Uh, people don't understand that, I don't think, unless you go through it. So we're eight and one the final nine games, and we had a very tough road uh, situation there. We we talk a lot during the year. Remember about Minnesota, Louisville, Iowa, uh, the Illinois four game series in there. How difficult that was for us because they were so close together, and we lost the Iowa game here, which is our only home loss. But I think the Illinois on Monday night at Champaign, which we won, to come home and then play your biggest rival of the year, Indiana. Uh, the next game, then to play Ohio State here to finish out our home schedule in order to be alive for the league championship really took more out of us than, than, than we wanted to admit. And not especially physically, but mentally. The mental edge was gone. And, and uh, now all we got to do is go to Michigan State and win, and we got a league title uh, at least tied. And, and when we went there and did that, I'm, I, I look at it and, see, and can see those three games really took a lot out of us. You know, you talk about that, and I think uh, someone had written this earlier in the week, and it made some sense to me. You as coaches asked these players to play, quote, the big game. And in your situation, you had to play about eight big games in a row. And I imagine it would get a little old for a player to hear that term all the time. Now, you're going to say, well, you got to fight through that. Right. But I think when you're talking still about basically a, an underclass team and they're trying to reach a goal which they have never had before, with the exception of Tim Fisher, and he was a freshman and didn't have to really contribute like he did this year. Uh, they've never been through that before, Coach, and to do that. And, right. uh, and you guys put a lot of emphasis on the Big Ten title. I'm not all too sure that that's the most important thing anymore. But uh, in your eyes, I know that you want that title badly. Well, I come from the old school where when I uh, was at Kansas State, uh, that was the way you had to qualify for the NCAA, that the league title was a tremendous challenge, a tremendous feat in order to do it. And, and it was just something that not many teams were ever capable of doing because in those days only 32 teams qualified for the NCAA. And now that this is a whole scene has changed, my philosophy hasn't changed a whole lot about that. I still want to be league champion. We want our players to be the best in the league, and it's a great feat to be able to do that again. And, and, uh, the, but the NCAA setup is different. So maybe your mental approach towards that maybe should be different. Not, maybe not so much emphasis on the league title, but to be able to be at your best in March. And we, I know we're all trying to do that, but we basically didn't talk about that except for the fact we wanted to win the league title and, and do a good job there. So there's a lot of ways to look at, at your, your uh, finishing touches in the league and a lot of ways and things to talk about. But 
but uh, it, you can't take away from the fact the kids had a tremendous year, and even though it's uh, a frustrating ending that uh, we didn't get uh, into the regional like we wanted to in the worst way, but uh, it's still something that uh, many, many teams in this league would like to be in our shoes, believe me. Well, you have a lot of returners next year on your squad, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about philosophy going into next season. And of course, next year we'll return four other five starters. We'll lose a couple of seniors, Doug Lee and Tim Fisher, and everybody else will be back. Gene, as we look at some of the stats, we're going to throw up uh, your team stats for the year, and you might want to just look at these a little bit and tell us what they mean, but uh, pretty much uh, all in your favor. As you look at uh, field goal percentage on the year at 51% and the opponents at 45. Well, our, our field goal percentage is very important in our program because we think you, had, you have to hit 52% if you're going to win the national title at least. Uh, the 45% by opponents is the best we've ever had since we've been here. One of the questions that we had as a staff in August and September was, can we stop anybody? Well, in the opponent's field goal area, we did a pretty good job. Uh, it, one of the things that we probably don't talk a lot about are the number of free throws we shoot. Ever since, uh, at least since I've been at Purdue, we probably shoot the most free throws in the league every year. And if you'll notice, we made 117 more free throws than our opponents. The number made is what counts. And, of course, we would like to shoot a better percentage, and that would increase even more. So we shoot a lot more free throws than our opponents because we're patient and because we go inside a lot. So that's a big stat. And, of course, the new stat is a three-point percentage. Uh, anytime you hit 33%, it's good as a layup uh, half the time. So we did a pretty good job there, whereas our opponents was right at 33%, and that's adequate if you're going to win. But uh, I still think that... The biggest percentage on that board is, is the field goal percentage by ourselves. Free, uh, free throw percentage, very misleading, too, because your team was about 85% down the stretch in games in about the last two months of the season, so you really improved a great deal there. And most of the year were very effective down the stretch in games where you like you to be uh, very good. There were a couple of games, though, that poor free throw shooting, and I remember the Indiana game, where if you shot well during the game, you probably still would have been in it. Right. at the end. And that free throw percentage is misleading a little bit too because our starters were pretty good free throw shooters right. and the bench is the one area we really got to improve in. Rebounds per game, about uh, two rebounds more per game than your opponent and uh, you'd like to be a little bit better than that but I think going into the season one of your major question marks could this team rebound uh, with the opponents and you proved that you could. Well this is the best we've ever had for a rebound margin here since we've been here too in the last seven years and and uh, it's still something that has to increase. We need to get that rebound margin four, five, six if we're going to be a, you know, a, a national champion or thereabouts in the top 16 or 8 and we get in the NCAA. So that has to improve even though it was probably over what we thought it could be this year. The assist column uh, certainly stands out uh, showing the uh, excellent team qualities that you had. 601 to 395 for the opponent. And the turnover column, uh, you're plus in that area as well. So really, you didn't have any negative stats as a team and ended up scoring 81, almost 82 points a game and gave up 70. So as we look at those, you have to be very happy with those. Uh, I guess uh, typifying the type of year that you had. Well, it's our best uh, offensive team since I've been here uh, seven years. And uh, they've had some tremendous offensive teams you know, over the years here. Of course, the philosophy of basketball has changed in the last few years, too, whereas there's not as many shots put up over a course of a game as there was, say, in the early 70s and late 60s. So that's changed somewhat. But uh, I'd, I'd say the biggest stat that shows you we have great teamwork is our assist stat. You have 601 assists. 
Uh, Everett Stevens has 190 of those, and I look for him next year to be over 200 in that area. He may break the all-time mark next year. Central in the NIT next year, and hopefully we can win there. And maybe if we get in a tournament, that uh, you know we'll play 30 plus games, and he'll be able to to break that 200 mark as far as assists. Let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, and, and since the loss to Florida, you've talked about some of the things that you'd like to do with this club. First off, uh, you know you have four quality starters back in. Uh, Mitchell and Stevens, uh, also uh, McCants and Troy Lewis. So you have to feel very good about the nucleus of the ball, the starting unit that you have back. Well, for the second year in a row, Larry, we have the four leading scorers back in a row. Last year we had that, and that was the first time we ever had the leading scorer back, let alone the top four. The thing that always concerns a staff is when you have uh, leaders like a Doug Lee, a Tim Fisher, that were so positive in the course of the time they were here that you don't know who's going to replace them because they were tremendously unselfish. They were concerned about one thing, like the players when we won the uh, title in 84. They were concerned about the final score. They didn't care how we did it or who did it. They just wanted it done. So, you know, Doug Lee and Tim Fisher's leadership is the biggest question I have. Who's going to step forward and do that, or do we have anybody? And everybody assumes because you have four starters back and they're a year older that, yeah, we're going to be a lot better next year. Well, that's not the case. The schedule is going to be a lot tougher, uh, which is good. That's going to help us down the stretch. Uh, leadership question marks may not be answered properly, and, and you really never know how, when you have a group of seniors, how they're going to react. We're going to have five seniors. And I have found at times in high school, when you have too many seniors, they're a pain. And uh, they're not, uh, the, uh, not a pain in a way that you, it causes you to lose. It's just that they like to play and they want to be uh, productive and there's not that great togetherness. So uh, with these group of uh, seniors you have coming back, though, I would think that it would be more of a positive approach than, than a negative one. But I've seen it work both ways. Now, of these four starters, you're expecting improvement out of each one. And to get to the level that you want, uh, you necessarily have to have improvement out of every single one of these players, and I'm sure aware of that. Uh, Melvin McCants, for example, who I thought really improved tremendously this year, if he could go another level like he came into this season, that would be a tremendous addition to you. Stevens, of course, had his first year at point guard and did a tremendous job considering the adversity he was under. You guys put a lot of pressure under him. And he, and he met the bill pretty well when you consider uh, it's the first 30 games he's had to play at that position. And then Lewis and Mitchell, of course, two of the people who get most of the publicity on this ball club, certainly have to make their games better. So those four people, all of them have to improve for you to be a better club. Well, there's no doubt about that. But probably, Larry, the biggest key of all is going to be what about the bench? You know, who's going to come off the bench and score? Our biggest weakness this year was the fact that we didn't have a Steve Reed to come off the bench like he did that first year here. We didn't have a Kirk Clawson come off the bench and shoot the ball well. Like last year, we had Everett Stevens come in and score well off the bench. We didn't have the James Bullock come off the bench and score for us. That is a very, very important item. Who's going to come in and score for us? And maybe even more important than that, who's going to be able to come in and be the defensive stopper? You know, we've got a lot of guys that want to do it, have the attitude to do it, but to really put the clamps on somebody still is a question in my mind, and I know our kids want to be able to do that. We'll talk a little bit about that personnel when we return, and also we'll have our regular Gene Cady letter section, so stay with us here on the Gene Cady Show. Again, this is our final show of the year with the coach, and we're talking a little bit about what we're at least looking towards uh, next season with the Boilermakers. We've talked about the starters. You also talked a little bit about the bench. Also, in your philosophy, Gene, you have always given uh, 
uh, most of the attention to players who've been in your program. Uh, as they progress through, you usually let them uh, uh, see some action, and if they're a senior, you usually uh, have a tendency to go their way. And what I'm getting at is maybe uh, the great play of Jeff Arnold this year, especially late in the season. Can we expect Jeff maybe to knock down a starting berth in place of uh, Doug Lee next year? Well, it's a, it's a very good possibility, and Kip Jones, uh, those two will be battling for that spot, and I think that the work over the summer and their attitude towards helping the team uh, is going to be very, very important about who starts, but I'm not uh, so concerned about who starts. I would hope that our players in our program have been here long enough and mature enough to understand that starting really is not the important thing. It's who who can come off the bench and produce and who can finish the game and produce if somebody's in foul trouble that makes you a winner. But, you know, everybody's human, so everybody would like to start. There's no doubt about that. But the key is who's going to be able to come off that bench and give us some scoring ability, and that's what we're looking for. And, uh, of course, Kip Jones has a good possibility or a good chance next year at starting. And, of course, you might want to go a little longer on your bench. Look at guys like Scheffler, uh, Stack, uh, possibly Ryan Burning might be ready to go by then. So a lot of people to uh, certainly look and choose from. Tony Patterson. Tony Patterson, who I know you uh, were impressed with here late in the year. Well, you know, we're looking for guys that can come in and produce against teams in, in a category of, like, we play North Carolina. And, Looks like right now they got a great shot at maybe being a national champion. And about the time I say that, you know, somebody yeah. will shoot him down. But uh, we're looking for guys who can come in and come off the bench and score against people like that. So whether we're going to do it through junior college players or high school seniors coming in as freshmen remains to be seen. But we're going to find somebody to do it. Maybe not this year, but next year and eventually. So it's something that's got to be done in the program. So I got some letters uh, we'll look at in this section and also the next. Uh, the first one is. Uh, uh, how come Purdue doesn't have its own holiday tournament? Uh, Richard Lendecker uh, uh, sent in this letter. Well, we've talked about it, and uh, we've tried to uh, look at it in a sensible way. What we like to do is go on a, a nice uh, trip right after Christmas uh, to some warm area, like, say, a Florida, like a Hawaii, or some place where there's great competition to be able to compete on a neutral court against some place where they don't have, say, a great home court advantage and be able to, you know, do well and improve. Uh, there is a lot of advantages to have your own a tournament. You know, you can bring in, say, if you have two tournaments, bring in some teams that you got a great shot of beating and it, it, uh, it bolsters your confidence and you're able to do some things there with your fans and, and tickets and so on. So uh, we've talked about it, but right now we're going to continue to stay with the tournament after Christmas because it helps, we think it helps us have a recruiting gimmick. Here's this week's winning letter from Mark Merrick. Purdue has obviously benefited from the three-point shot, yet Coach Katie doesn't like the shot. He's made that known several times. Does he think that the three-point shot, though, has met the objectives intended by the NCAA when they put it in? Well, I think they put it in in order to, say, play man-to-man -man defense, uh, to bring the small back man back in the game, which I'm all for. I think that's great. There's a place for a small man in basketball, and I'm against all zone defenses. I wish they'd outlaw them, but if you did that, it would take away from the strategy of the game. So I think zone defenses are good because it's good for the game. I'm not sold on the fact that three-point play is good for the game. You know, it, it, what good? it's good for the fans, it's good for the players that can shoot it, but where do you get rewarded in other sports where you retreat? And you know, since I'm an aggressive person, I don't like it because you get rewarded for you retreat. Are they going to give you one point for a dunk? You know, those are my questions, but that doesn't mean that I can't learn to like it better. 
Well, I tell you, anybody that's been watching uh, Providence in the NCAA, though, has enjoyed how they have done it right. because they've used the three-point play and a full-court press. I'm not saying, Larry, that I can't change my mind because I'm, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm a little bit stubborn about it, but I can't see where it has helped the game because we had such a tremendous game anyway. As Coach and the Cliz discussed, despite the disappointing end to the year, anticipation was already kicking in for the 87-88 season when four starters would be back, including rising seniors Everett Stevens, Todd Mitchell, and Troy Lewis. The three amigos would have one more go-round, and the Boilermakers would begin the season ranked number two in the nation. That's where we'll pick it up next week on Katie Corner.